Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Uh, for the past few weeks on the show, we've been having an open editorial meeting, which is fun because it uh, invariably leads to chaos and hilarity. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's good to bring things into a little sharper focus. And our objective today, and I say objective, this can go any direction that it wants, um, was to have a conversation. We wanted to focus on developing two of our verticals on the site. Those who are familiar with uh, the Quest on site know that we have uh, a number of verticals that we slot our news coverage into. And one of them is Borderless, which is our immigration vertical. Uh, Shirley Avney is kind of our informal editor uh, because she's based in Mexico City and is doing a lot of work with migrants' rights groups. We, but we've had a number of different contributors. Uh, and immigration has been uh, a subject that we covered you know, long before Quest On as journalists uh, and people living in California and all over the country uh, where that news is particularly relevant. And the other vertical, and although we have many, the, the other one that I'd like to develop tonight for our criminal justice vertical which also, you know, and there's a lot of legacy in this room today with our guests and also uh, from other Quest On contributors, uh, people who have a long history of criminal justice advocacy work, prison reform work, uh, people like myself who are formerly incarcerated and have gone on. You know, I, I work at the public defender's office now. Charlie and I were both involved in the beat within. Uh, but that's our criminal justice vertical. We have a couple different entry points for these conversations, and I'm going to start with immigration because this is uh, the conversation that we can't escape uh, today and yesterday and the week before that and probably a month from now. But this is this forced national conversation uh, about a border wall. And there's a lot to talk about there. You know, we were all looking at uh, a story from Vox that in their headline uh is, is sensationalist, but it's insightful. The headline is, Immigrants are coming over the border to kill you is the only speech Trump knows how to give. Uh, and that is its own conversation. Uh, and I, I definitely don't want to necessarily need to make this a debate about the president because the conversation about uh, building a wall has been around for a long time. Uh, xenophobia has been around for a long time. Racism has been a long t- around a long time. Um, but I do want to open this up just because there are a lot of different conversation points and we have a good panel. So let me start by introducing everybody. Uh, first of all, Charlie is here. Charles Jones, welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you. Melanie Feliciano, it's been a while uh, and a nice surprise. And speaking of nice surprises, uh, Nina Park sent an email 10 minutes ago. Are you guys on? Can I get in? She's here tonight. Uh, and that's a joy. I compared it to a moment when the clouds part, you know, and the sun shines upon us. Uh, and of course, as always, our producer, Iming uh, Piancai, who keeps us sounding good. Uh, so I want to open this up. I know it's a broad topic, uh, but I, I would like to try and develop some immigration stories or some insights around this national conversation now about a wall, a fence, uh, our government uh, being shut down as a result of a maniacal fixation on a wall or a fence. So uh, Melanie, since you haven't been on the show in a while and you and I haven't had uh, a chance to check in, I know that you've been traveling. Uh, I know that you're in Florida, which is another state with a lot of conversations about 
immigration, even though uh, the borders there are water. Um, but is this, uh, have you been following this with the same kind of rabid intensity uh, that so many other people have? Uh, or is this a kind of just like a non-issue or a non-starter for you, Mel? Uh, hey, Russell. Thanks for having us on the yeah, show sure. as always. Well, I don't know if I would say that I've been following it rapidly, but, you know, I try to do as much reading as possible and just um, just canvassing around Facebook to see what my people in D.C. are saying, because I have quite a few friends that work for a federal government. Um one of which posted this um, kind of one percenter, very elitist kind of message where she said, for the very first time, I have to file for unemployment. It was very dramatic. And, oh, is that know, because she's a federal employee and now she's not? Yeah, paid? she works yeah. for NASA. She works for NASA and she's... Um, She's she's not like a close close friend. She used to date a guy who was a friend of a friend. <laughs> so it's not like totally close, but you know, I I messaged her and I asked her, you know, like what how it felt, what the situation was. And you know, so, you know, I don't mean to clown her as a one percenter, but in a in a sense just the way that she framed it you know, I was just sort of like boo-hoo, but also, okay, I have somebody that I know that is getting affected by it, but I know that she'll recover fine. However, she did say that the last time that this happened, which was a year ago when they were in negotiations trying to get the money for the wall, somebody asked her, hey, why didn't you have to file for unemployment last time? And she said, oh, because the shutdown was a lot shorter. And so she just didn't even think about it. But this time it's a much longer conversation and it's dragging out and it's getting a little bit more frantic. Um, then you've got like, you know, here in Florida, you asked about Florida. Um, you know, I'm I'm surrounded by old folks right now. And um <laughs> I went to the YMCA on Monday morning and it was just like, you know, super jam packed. Everybody was there with their fanny packs and coming in, you know, just seeing each other after the holidays. And um, people were just talking about, I mean, most, most people were speaking in Spanish, first of all. Orlando has really become um, like another part of Puerto Rico in a way since the hurricane last year, which is another topic that we cover for Quest On. Um, but what my parents say is always really interesting because my dad will always be like, um, you know, they should build the wall. And, um, you know, we'll sit around the dinner table and I'll, I'll just be like, well, you know, why do you think that? And my father was a police officer for 22 years in New York City. And so in his mind, they are all criminals. <laughs> like everybody's a criminal, you know, and, and he well, loves is that for him. Is that like an interesting position of, uh, you know, Puerto Rican privilege because it's like this, uh, this group of Latinos, quote unquote, immigrants who kind of don't have to worry about citizenship issues. Or, yeah. Or I documentation. Do that, I do think that's his, his privilege that, you know, that, he, you know, he, he his, his perspective does come from that. But I, but I do think that he's a, um, 
he he has this hyper sense about crime in general and and so when he hears all of that rhetoric from Trump not that he he hates Trump um and he thinks the whole thing is ridiculous um but i do think that he is annoyed by the fact that so many other people are coming into the country and not fixing their own countries that's 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 the perspective that he takes even though so he's a guy guys, from puerto rico you know it's like <laughs> i don't know it's all contradictory do these turn into like big dinner table debates where you're calling him out on different points or are you have you reached the point where you're just like all right dad like let's where, just let's I, have dinner I, I think i'm too old for that now like when i was in my 20s i used to get into real heated debates with them all the time but now it's a much more relaxed conversation where we're able to disagree and just be like, okay, it's, you know, dad, that's not totally true. A lot of these people are refugees. And my mom starts asking me questions about how visas work. And um, I think that's an interesting thing. Maybe a lot of um, Americans don't even understand um, why you have to get a visa. Um, And so, yeah, so I try to explain a lot of that to them, even though they watch the nightly news, but they watch David Muir every night, who makes it always sound like this huge crisis as well. So, you know, the media is partially to blame for. Yeah, I think stuff. everything sounds like a crisis, no matter what media outlet you choose i think that's part of the way that we stay addicted and be like oh damn did you hear about this crisis of the day it could be msnbc it doesn't matter it's like the sky is always falling in which case you can't really tell when the sky is falling i i actually watched the speech on fox on purpose just so i could read all the comments on the side like i watched it on youtube's fox and because i'm just super fascinated by people who still support this guy and um they are saying things like he's the best president that ever was elected and he they really say these things and really believe it and so um i have a friend on facebook who um he's cuban lives in miami and he thinks that all liberals are brainwashed and so i you know i always try to comment and say i'm glad that we're still friends even though you think i'm brainwashed I feel like we both like both sides think the other is brainwashed. So what aren't aren't they aren't we all though? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, I are, think aren't both we, sides right that the other side is brainwashed because everybody's do, basically yeah. brainwashed. <laughs> I agree. I agree, but I'm just like, who are the people that are not brainwashed? Are they just the people that just disengage and don't watch any media and don't have these conversations at all? Like are they the only ones? I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. if you if you manage to like eat shrooms every few weeks and commute with the commune with the divine intelligence, you know what I'm saying? You might you might be able to get enough distance that when you turn on the TV and they're like the sky is falling, you're like, yeah, I mean, kind of, but not really. You know yeah. what I mean? And you don't you don't have to take on every uh, debate you encounter on Facebook. I hope those people are still out there. I like to count myself among one of them, but maybe I'm just lying to myself. <laughs> Yeah, and I would also just like to maybe the people that are just on the front lines actually dealing with real people and not just watching it on TV are the ones that are not brainwashed, like they're actually doing the work. And I don't know if you guys read this or if this is actually true. Maybe you can um, check the facts. He did this press conference because it's part of his campaign for 2020 already. So, I mean, that's that's kind of a story right there of like who who are these 
Puerto Ricans that will vote for him or not vote for him based off of religious um, preferences. Yeah. Um, and I think he was raising money through this. Um, did you guys see that or read that or hear I that? I am not familiar with this, no. Okay, because that's, that's yeah. what I saw when I was watching the rebuttal that the Democrats got on mm-hmm. – PBS, which was so boring <laughs> in comparison. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it was it but, was nice that but, they were able but to have it. More folks watched it than his, according to I can't remember where I read that. But the the Thank ratings, God. The ratings were higher for the Democrats the than the yeah. Thank well, God. Well, speaking of Puerto Ricans, even though I was really bored by the Democratic uh, rebuttal, uh, Ocasio Cortez had her own rebuttal that resonated a lot more with me. Even though I'm not like I'm, I'm intrigued by her. I'm in New York, you know. I kind of watched this thing happen. She's a cool character, but I'm not like on her, on her. I was gonna say that like her her talking points were essentially that a lot of the like the immigration issues that he's talking about are from overstayed visas and not because people are illegally coming into the country. They're coming through our airports, and then that, and the fact that the government shut down, and then a lot of the people coming in like they're not getting paid. Like you have our border security folks that aren't getting paid. And those are the ones that are actually checking whether or not people are coming in. Right. So the whole thing that's happening right now is like, there's like contradiction after contradiction. And like, I often find myself kind of feeling really disembodied from like the whole Republican Democrat kind of conversation, just because a lot of the people talking aren't of my generation, you know? So I'm all like, I don't know these distinctions. Y'all sound the same. So, you know, (laughs) um, but like, obviously, like, a, there are, like, in a, in a nation, you want to try to keep, um, like, your culture intact, right? And you want to make sure that there's resources for the people that are citizens of that nation. So there are some boundaries that, that need to be, like, put into place and some of the systems of being able to, like, bring people into the country. But, like, I think the border wall is an absolute waste of resources, considering, like, the unemployment rate right? People don't need to be employed building a wall. You know what I mean? That's like, it's a, it's something that doesn't, it doesn't generate more resource, you know, like you can pay people to like plant hemp as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? For example, for example, (laughs) you know, I'm always going to bring it back to cannabis right now. But, um, you know, like where our country's resource could be actually used in something that one generates oxygen, you know what I mean? Like can actually put together resources, like, like to to enhance the oil issue because you can make petroleum like petrol out of can like out of hemp you know so like there are, there's so many different things that they could be putting their focus to and instead we're you know like the government shutdown just kind of to me exercises like this weakness in leadership you know what I mean like why would you have your government shut down especially this is as the great. president this is you're you're basically framing a counter narrative which is something you know I, and i'm just i'm speaking in bumper stickers now but this is like weed not walls right is that <laughs> is that what you're proposing now Shit. oh wait <laughs> feel, feel free to use that nina if you just found your headline russell yeah <laughs> I told you, I speak in bumper stickers. It's a valid point. I mean, it. it there's a lot of misinformation. I know uh, some of you know that uh, Josue, who couldn't come on today, but Josue and I, uh, Nina, you know Josue because you were at his wedding. Everybody else knows Josue. Everybody. He's one, another one of those people everybody knows. He and I spent a lot of time on the border. The last time they were talking about building the wall, which was 10 years ago, two administrations ago, uh, a very different political impetus. It had a lot more to do with the Patriot Act and 
uh, fear of, you know, people, uh, Islamo-fascists or Islamo-terrorists coming over uh, the border. It, it was a different fear, that a different irrational fear that was being stoked at the time, but it also... Uh, obviously Arabs are was brown, Mexicans heavily, are brown. The yeah, Arabs you know, just the the, 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 the vaguely border. brown, <laughs> the brown wave, uh, that, that that terror and those fears were being stoked in a similar way with a different justification 10 years ago. But, you know, uh, when Josue and I went down there, uh, th- there was a lot to learn from our observations. But, uh, I mean, one thing that sticks with me, and this is a conversation I just had recently, but uh, Cliff's sister lives in San Diego, which, of course, is a border town. And she was telling me, she's like, it's crazy that like what people think the border is who don't live on the border. Right. Mm -hmm. And she was like, it's so fluid. Like people commute to go across the border every day. She said the other day, my Uber driver who picked her up in San Diego was like, she lived in Tijuana. She lived on the other side and and she just happens to come into San Diego to do her thing. She commutes basically to go Uber drive in San Diego and go back at the end of the night. There's nothing illegal about that, you know, and if you're a person who lives on the border, you understand the fluidity uh, of that space. When when Josue and I were down there, we did a profile of um, a preacher, an evangelical preacher who was from El Salvador and he lived in Southern California, but his church was in uh, Tijuana again. So these were people who were like going back and forth every day. And it's not, you know, the idea of a wall or fluidity or what people's perceptions are about uh, who's coming over and what the fears are uh, on either side. You know, even people, you know, that we might feel more politically aligned with than the president, the the border is a very unique place with its own set of values and its own understanding of what's, uh, how to be a good neighbor, you know, no matter what uh, your political persuasion is. Um, but the other thought, and I do want to nudge us along, uh, although Charlie I want to give you an opportunity if you want to share a little bit about uh, some of your observations on this conversation about a border wall. Uh, But if not, we can move right on to uh, Princess Kim Kardashian. I just think it's weird that a dude who said that he would build a wall, not a fence, a wall, a big, beautiful concrete wall, and that he would get Mexico to pay for it uh, is now tying up the entire like uh governmental infrastructure into uh making the american people fund this wall right and Mm -hmm. there are people that there are kids dying in cages right Mm -hmm. and all this and the media is still kind of both sidesing the issue there's this uh weird propensity toward um neutrality that kind of is in a effect negating how weird and fucked up this whole situation is. I think I think that uh, should be explored a little bit further. I, I think it should go further than just like you said, Mexico would pay for the wall. I mean, I think we're well past the point uh, where it where it's reasonable or even makes sense to try and point out like, oh what you're saying right now contradicts what you said yesterday, right? Those are kind of like, those are old rules, you know? And uh, as Dua Lipa said, we've got new rules. Uh, and, the, and the new rules are not bound by logic or reason. And that's part of why this discourse is so frustrating, you know? Yo, I mean, let me t- tell, can, I, can I also tell you just my experience in uh, moving in government spaces too? Like please, I, went, I went to like, 
I've done some ad- advocacy at like California state level, right? And like I've walked into people's offices that literally have like signs on their walls with a uh, with like circles that say "Bang Head Here," right? Mm-hmm. And like and yeah. like while I'm like talking to them, they're they're like, "Oh, are you trying to apply logic to this situation?" They're like, "Why do you think I have this posted to my wall?" I'm like, "Dang, so." what am I doing here again? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what are my talking points now that you said that logic doesn't exist? Should I just start talking about time travel or something? I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> you know? like, cause it's, it's, it's like when you get up there, you're like, these are just people. So aside, if they have the, like the uh, title or the department head or whatever, there are humans that are like equally as flawed. If we want to take it back, you said to like the shroomy kind of like all things are connected. Humans are just humans. Like we're all just like trying to find our purpose kind of level. Right. Like Mm. what, like, what is it that we're trying to see accomplished? You see people that are like vying for control and power, right. Because they can. And because people have allowed them to, right. Because we think, cause I, whether it's because we're brainwashed and like this is the construct that we know, you know, or or whatever. I think of that sometimes when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, and I encounter some like fucked up shit that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, well, I didn't create this, so like, like <laughs> I got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got to give it to like whoever created it. Like they were human, flawed, whatever. So let's figure yeah. out what we do from here. I'm hoping to really see uh, some some shift in rhetoric at at the cap, you know, at the, uh, our country's capital, seeing that we have some new women in office that have um, a wide range of ethnic backgrounds and, uh, you know, experiences growing up that maybe they can help shift the narrative. Like we definitely need there to be a more feminine narrative, which is a usually a more inclusive, more nurturing and like, um, you know, like kind of more of like a peacemaker. Uh, so let me, uh, Nina, I'm glad that you raised your point about like alternative job creators, uh, just because I do want to push us into a little bit of a conversation about uh, issues related to criminal justice and prison reform uh, and mass incarceration. Uh, you know, when, when in New York, when Cuomo first came into office, you know, he, uh, he wanted to close prisons down he's like a progressive guy and identified that it was like a a waste of revenue and he encountered a lot of uh opposition of course the same way that everybody does when you try to close prisons say yo man you're gonna put people out of work there are whole towns in in this country where that's like the factory town you know so the administration was desperate to find alternatives and his alternative and this is a story i still think needs to be written because this is not widely known was this is when Greek yogurt was first starting to get really popular, you know, like five years ago. And people were like, we don't want regular yogurt. We want Greek yogurt. Uh, and Cuomo was smart enough to say, we're going to make New York the American capital of uh, Greek yogurt. So he provided all these incentives for like Chobani and all these different companies to move to New York to try and offset some of the jobs that were lost um, by closing prisons. Right. Uh, which I was fascinated by. Again, this is something I want to dig back into and maybe do a little bit of investigative work about like, how does the quality of life change in your town when you go from everybody works in a prison uh, to now it's like you got some cows around and people are making yogurt. It seems like a pretty dramatic shift in the quality of life. I want to, I want to look at like, you know, did the alcoholism rates go down? You know, like what are the numbers on, uh, you know, domestic violence in a town like that? Uh, But that's, a, a small part of the conversation, uh, our talking point or what we were hoping 
hoping would bring us to a conversation about criminal justice uh, was, you know, I'll give it to you, Nina. You're right. It is clickbait. It's a click. It's clickbait. But <laughs> clickbait wouldn't be clickbait if it didn't work. So it worked. Uh, and here I am uh, reading a headline with a picture of Kim Kardashian underneath it that says Kim Kardashian gets thousands of inmate letters as, quote, the prison reform princess. Uh, and this obviously stems from her advocacy uh, for Alice Marie Johnson and Matthew Charles, uh, prisoner, prisoners who she felt were sentenced too harshly. And a lot of people agreed, uh, met with the president, brought their names up, uh, and they both got out of prison. This was like effective advocacy. You know, I'm not taking anything away from her, man. You could, if you have a meeting with the president, there's a lot of things you could talk about, you know? And I imagine most of the people who meet with the president are trying to advance their own brand um, or see what they can get out of a deal uh, with Voldemort. And in defense of Kim, I'll just say it, you know, she, uh, she chose to be an advocate in that moment uh for an issue that's very important to me i care very much about criminal justice issues so that said clickbait but excellent clickbait and i'm coming down firmly on the side of uh pro kim but i want to come straight to you nina (laughs) because you have a lot of valid there are a lot of concerns here uh, and they're valid so i want to i want to give you an opportunity to air some of your concerns Uh, i appreciate that i mean okay first off i do also agree with you i don't want to take any uh, anything away from the fact that she's bringing criminal just re- uh, justice reform to a popular audience. I think that that's really important. And if that's what it takes for other people that otherwise would not look at criminal justice reform or lives in, lives in their Calabasas bubble, you know what I mean? That would never have to have those kind of like the kind of interactions where their community is being like the property level is being brought down by crime. However, I heard on the, um, on that show, The Fix on Netflix, D.L. Hughley did say that uh, Justin Bieber moving to Calabasas did bring a lot of police activity. So that's a little <laughs> fair. fair. <laughs> like, but like, like the thing is, it's like, is her are her talking points other than advocating for these prisoners to get out? You know, are they um, talking points that do the greatest good for the greatest whole? Right. And that's always the concern. It's a, it's when you have the ear of like the, the higher powers, like are which is what you're saying. um, What's good for us as an entirety of a, of community and a nation, or is it just going to help the system? It's like, who gets to be able um, to have justice, like at the hand of the system and then who gets to be pulled through like an industrial space, you know, cause as we know, the prison industrial system is a huge generator, especially in California, since we have like the third largest prison population in the entire world. Right. Um, that it, that it is the issue that our is- like our prisons are privatized. So I'm just hoping that when she does go to the space that her, that her talking points go beyond uh, just helping like a few selected people, which is cool, but like actually being able to shift uh, the construct of the system because that's what we actually need, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in uh, you know where her power lies, right? Um, all, all things told, you know, the president isn't really that powerful when it comes to issues like this, you know, because a lot of the stuff is at the state level. Um, and these are at different jurisdictions. You know, the president can make decisions about federal prisoners, the federal prison, 
prison systems big, but much smaller than, um, you know, the sum of our state prison system, which is where people end up going. And she actually has much more power outside of the president, maybe even than the president himself, because she has millions of followers who are, you know, tastemakers. The people who follow her and care what she says are young people the kind of people who could constitute a political movement. And I wonder, again, this is not criticism. It's just kind of like a thought exercise. Wouldn't she have uh, more of an impact if she used her social media outlet to talk about actual social issues that lead to uh, mass incarceration? Man, if her, uh, if her, if her person that's helping her generate her talking points is her husband, then we're going to have a huge issue about like, <laughs> Well, it's really just a matter of her. I mean, when you reach that level of influence, it's like all you have to do is be like, we need to hire someone who knows about prison reform to be my press person. I was and just going to say they need to hire you or Nina. <laughs> yeah, right. To to like change her posts. Like, I mean, I don't know how many pictures of herself does she put up every that day. That makes like no 20. money. <laughs> yeah, but you. But this is something she cares about. It's obvious that she doesn't just Not care enough, about money. Apparently. Well, but what I'm saying is instead of, you know, you could you could take 19 pictures of yourself a day instead of 20. And then in place of one of those pictures, you know, you could say that, you know, currently X amount of people are locked up in the state of California for drug related nonviolent crimes, you know, hashtag let them out or whatever. And then that would just become a national movement on the spot. Right. There are so many memes that are already in in existence that like have iconographs of of you know, like how many people are locked, you know, how many people of color versus white people are locked up and all those things. And I agree, wow. she would just need to like, she like repost these memes. things. Yeah, right. she, just, she doesn't even need a communications person. She could just repost memes about criminal justice. And she has enough followers who are tastemakers who now are, are like kind of more worried about like what new flavor of LaCroix is coming out or whatever. And it might shift their political interest or at least their sensibilities to be engaged in a political movement. I feel like that's what happened with LGBT activism. Like the reason that the scales were finally tipped is that there was just like enough young people who were kind of like taking the pulse of the country and said like, you know, this is a political issue we care about now. Everybody who's not okay with at the time the issue was gay marriage is like, you're just a dinosaur. Like, bye, you know, and it worked. And I feel like there could be the same kind of political capital uh, around uh, criminal justice. And and I'm not saying this is what Kim needs to do tomorrow, but I'm just wondering if that would have more influence even than meeting with the president for 10 minutes in order to get two people out of jail. You know, I really want to hear what Charles has to say about Kim Kardashian. (laughs) And I know who like Charles's wife is, too. So she is like the queen of like, like restorative justice and the criminal justice reform, too. So I'm sure it's a household conversation, you know? Yeah, Charles. Um, hmm. Okay. I think, one, I don't think that the um, the pardons that she's been able to get granted have been the result of just, like, benevolence and altruism. I believe that, you know, Donald Trump is what does he call himself? The master of the deal. And if Kim Kardashian gets the uh, the social currency and uh, um, the attention that comes with being this uh, golden goose kind of who, who has the ear of the president and can, you know, 
spring anybody from prison, you know what I'm saying? Um, that boosts her profile in a way uh, and gives her a legitimacy that she didn't have previously. They both definitely gain something from this, uh, whether it, whether it, Trump has this infatuation with having black people specifically, it seems like, thank him. I don't know if y'all remember the whole LeVar Ball, uh, his son getting caught out in China. Yeah. Uh, stealing. And, and uh, you know, President Trump didn't even have anything to do with that kid's release. Uh, but because he simply, like, spoke on the situation with the Chinese president, he wanted a level of credit and he wanted yeah. a level of uh, praise from yeah. the black community. You know what I'm saying? In quotations. Um, so I don't, I don't believe that this is just like the result of, you know, two people getting in a room and being good people. Yeah. Um, now that being said, boom, thank you, Kim Kardashian. Uh, getting those people out of jail. I'm, I'm uh, certain that they appreciate it beyond measure. You know what yep. I'm saying? So yeah, shout out to you for that. But and that's I, why Nina, that's why she's getting thousands of letters every day is because other people are like, well, okay, how about me, Kim? Check out my story. And that and and so while we were while I was listening earlier, like just before you actually said it, I was thinking like this chick might be the most powerful person in America because <laughs> social currency is worth just as much as like real currency. Absolutely. And kids, she has you know both too. She got real currency. Exactly. And yeah. So, and, and, sh and she can speak to power uh, literally. So, and it doesn't matter if she can speak in truth or not, like she can speak to power literally. So like, you know, she is the doorkeeper to the godfather in that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> in the minds of a lot of people. Which yeah. is his conciliar. Guys, um Kardashian so, also became famous because her dad represented OJ, right? Her dad, right, dad, right. Her dad yeah. became famous for representing OJ. She became yeah. famous for representing Ray J. What you call <laughs> it? Um, <laughs> the, the time I, wow. The timing. Good job, Charles, on the timing. Zing. You should do stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the back end of this is. Like, I wonder like what it is that Trump is getting um um and and if if whatever it is um is sustainable like if if it can be broadened if um because like like Nina said earlier I do think she could if she has like this level of power she should probably do more with it and um and like you were saying, Russell, there are easier ways she could go about it than like taking on this um, kind of uh, logistical uh, policy uh, uh, work. She could just, you know, post memes and fucking uh, kind of change the zeitgeist and the, um, 
and the level of awareness among the the thousands and millions of the vapid that follow her. You know what I'm saying? A meme so can change the world. I am right. And and so um I'm praying that one um this is sustainable and that it can be like broadened. And two, that um you know, th- there's there's no a weird sense of allegiance to uh, Trump or Kim Kardashian that comes out of this from folks of color. Right. Maybe allegiance to Kim Kardashian. I, I, I could allow that. Uh, you know, uh, what are the resources moving forward to be able to ensure that people can come back into our our culture and our society and our in our cities and our in our neighborhoods and all these other things? Um, and I would hope that that's what you know, like. Um, that Kim Kardashian could use her power for is to like highlight issues that are, you know, central to moving the the conversation forward, just rather than just awareness that there's an issue. Right. Yeah. yeah. I would also just say, you know, as a, a final or close to final point, uh, criminal justice reform is one of the few things that has bipartisan support. Right. Like, oh. You know, you know, Republicans, Democrats, they're both interested in what, you know, the other thing is like um, infrastructure. Boom. Let's spend a lot of money and like fix our roads. Right. That's one thing that everybody keeps talking about. But people forget the other thing that um, Democrats and, and, and Republicans agree on, which is criminal justice reform. From a conservative standpoint, you know, if you don't like big government, big, wasteful government programs that take tax money and throw them down a hole, uh, you know, that you don't like a big prison system. And I think there's, a. I mean, you know, this is going back years, but a lot of prominent conservatives, especially fiscal conservatives and libertarians have always said that, you know, this, the prison system is a huge waste of taxpayer money. Uh, You're not getting any return. And even people who, you know, want to position themselves as tough on crime people are just recognizing that it's like a side. They're not being humanitarian. Russell, are those the ones that are making money off of the private, (laughs) the private you know, the investors that actually put money into the private prisons are those the people that are. Oh, people are advocating to close the government. <laughs> yeah. So that we can open private. You know, we got to fight one battle at a time. You know what I'm saying? It's like whack a mole, right? You hit down the prison system and then boom, private oh, no, prisons sorry. comes up and you got to whack private prisons. If this is the entry point, if this is the initial discussion point, I'm totally willing to take fiscal conservatives on their word that like this is just a huge waste of money. I don't care if they don't understand the humanitarian aspect because that's not maybe the conversation we need to have in that moment. Maybe it's just about like this is a huge wasteful program that also, P.S., you know, destroys lives, families and communities, but also waste taxpayer money. And we can do a lot for everybody if we just, you know, think of what serious reform might look like. Uh, that's my piece. <laughs> is, that your, is that your phone too? <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm, I love that it's an old school ringer too. That, like you knew it was your phone, you just let it. You just talked to. Like, you know I can't. I couldn't use tell. That, right? I couldn't tell because these are noise. <laughs> you know these are I noise. Can't use that. <laughs> it was so good. You have to use it. 
My guy got a dial tone phone though. Man, that's what you it's guys all were... rotary and shit. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> or am I losing my mind over here? It, yes, I set it to the old man phone setting. You know, when I was a kid, we only had one ringtone. It was red. <laughs> all right, younger one, and we liked it. <laughs> right, well, no such thing as ringtone. It was just yeah, the it was tone just of the ring. Yeah, <laughs> a fitting ending. All right, I want to thank all you guys I'm, for being I'm here. I'm that whole part in, by the way. <laughs> yeah, leave it in. Leave it. You guys can talk about my ringtone. I'll defend it. I'm happy to defend it. <laughs> all right, this was a, this was uh, a very illuminating conversation, right up to the point that I was being ridiculed. But I, there, there's some illumination in that, too. Uh, all right, thanks to everybody for coming on today. Charlie, Melanie, Mina, what a wonderful surprise. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Eming, uh, and thanks to our listeners. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California. I was fully expecting, like, an elder to yell, Get the phone! <laughs> 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 you got some you got some singers tonight, Charlie. <laughs>